You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. Uh, it's Friday. I hope you're having a good week and um, you're getting to relax a little bit going into the weekend. I want to talk some TCU football here to start the show. Uh, so the Athletic does this series called State of the Program, and it's essentially their version of like a magazine-style season preview where they take an individual program, they do a really in-depth look at the roster, here's what they have on offense, defense, they break it down by position group, um, and sort of the outlook for the season. So it's, it's very comprehensive. It's very good. I would encourage you to read it. TCU's dropped earlier this week if you want to take a look at it. Um, but what I want to focus on is I'm always fascinated by they do this sort of behind enemy lines segment of the piece where they talk to an anonymous opposing coach about the team itself and the coach shares their thoughts. And I always think it's fascinating because, I mean, you rarely get unfiltered, um, honest comments from coaches. It's not just coach speak. So I want to share a little bit about what an assistant from another school in the Big 12 said about TCU football. The Athletic did this, and then Athlon Sports did this, so I want to bounce back and forth a little bit and just share my thoughts on uh, what they had to say. Um, so here is an assistant coach in the Big 12 talking with The Athletic anonymously about what he thinks uh, the outlook is for TCU football going forward. thought he's a player's coach. I'm interested to see how these kids adjust to the freedom he gives them because it's kind of one of those deals like Bill Snyder at K-State. The place had never been able to do it any other way. It was totally all him telling them what they're going to do, how they were going to do it, when they were going to do it, and they really struggled when another guy came in and gave them total freedom. I think TCU could be the same way. We'll see how they adjust everything. So making the comparison of the first time Bill Snyder retired and Ron Prince took over, which was a disaster for Kansas State, uh, I understand what he's saying here. I think it's a pretty lazy comparison. I mean, one, like Bill Snyder, when he retired the first time, he was still at the height of his powers in a lot of ways. K-State was still very successful. Ron Prince came in. Things took a turn downward. Um, in this scenario, I mean, Sonny Dykes is, I wouldn't call this a total rebuild, but obviously he's coming in and having to change the culture, um, change things up for a team that has been falling below expectations as of late. I would also say, I mean, I, I certainly think for a long time, you know, Gary Patterson was one of the shining examples of how to run a program how to have accountability in a program um, discipline was a huge part of what they did and why they were so successful but I mean to be frank like the last few seasons I would not call TCU a disciplined football team like a lot of silly mistakes a lot of penalties uh, a lot of just mental errors that were hurting them now I know a, a large portion of that's on the players but I mean I, I don't think this freedom is just gonna make them um, suddenly lose any accountability or discipline. I feel like maybe this will be a good adjustment for them. But we'll see. I mean, it's, it's certainly a fair point. It's something you'll have to watch. You have um, a coach coming in who's known to be more of a player's coach, who's known to give the guys you know, a little more rope when it comes to having fun, expressing themselves. So how do the guys handle that? We'll see how it goes. Um, the coach went on to say, I think they struggled offensively. They had really good running backs and an offensive line, but they didn't execute what they were trying to do. 
Johnson's real good. He's really the one they can get the ball to. If they didn't get him the ball, they were in trouble. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the offense, the numbers ended up being pretty solid, and they were better than the defense last season. But there was certainly some inconsistency there, inconsistent quarterback play. The offensive line was still uh, pretty rough in pass protection. So those things have to improve. And I would expect, you know, Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley are trying to find ways to make this team more explosive. Um, they put up a lot of yards. They struggled in the red zone, <clears throat> struggled to score at times, and there were just too many empty possessions. So you have to sure that up. And then defensively, this is still the assistant coach talking, they couldn't stop the run, and that's why I think they're going to struggle this year. They couldn't stop the run with a four-man front. Can they do that this year going to a three-man front? Um, we'll see. I mean, the defensive line, I feel like, is probably the biggest question mark going into the season. And, I mean, it's one of those things that we'll have to wait and find out um, when the season starts what they look like. And it's one of the things to talk about in the piece. you got Sony Misi, who's going to move to nose tackle. Dominic Williams is behind him. Um, you lost Kyrie Coleman, no Sean Mathis. But, I mean, I honestly don't think it can be much worse. I mean, they, they have to find a way to reestablish the line of scrimmage, allow those linebackers to come up and make plays. And it's going to be tougher with the, the three-down line front. But honestly, like, it's still about gap control. It's still about being able to hold your ground and um, not get shoved back. And that was something that they really struggled with last year. So, We'll see how they do, but, I mean, I think the running game is a huge weakness and it's something Joe Gillespie will have to address. I shared some of this on Twitter, and Tommy commented, and he said, I think we'll be a lot better at stopping the run than we were last year. A lot of that depends on how stout we can be at nose guard. Just need big dudes to take double teams consistently. And, yeah, Tommy, you're right. I mean, it does start in the middle there. You have to have guys that take up space, um, that can take on a guard in the center, and still find ways to shoot gaps and hold their own and allow those linebackers to flow fast and make plays. Um, over in the Athlon Sports Magazine, uh, they did a similar feature, and here's what an opposing coach had to say about TCU. They've always been the hardest team to read in the preseason. Maybe that will change now that Patterson is gone. Some years when they're down, you turn on the tape on a five-win team, and you don't know why they haven't won nine or ten games. I think the last few years they've lost one or two games, and boom. It's like they're playing like they're out of it. They recruited really well, and Sonny Dyke's knowledge base of Texas is going to help them adjust quickly. They have good backs, good offensive line, um, and have overall decent speed. They have to settle on a quarterback. The biggest change will be the, schedule, the schematic overhaul from Gary to Tulsa, D.C. That's a classic case of Sonny having fits against a guy in the American and trying to bring him with him to the P5. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that comment before, and it's a discouraging one that TCU's been a team lately that looks really good coming off the bus. And then when you play them, um, you realize, oh, they're, they, they're not as tough as they look, which is, that's got to change. And, I mean, that's something that Coach Patterson did so well for so long that it's pretty shocking that um, he just wasn't able to get the best out of the guys the last few seasons. Now, I'll also say this. I thought it was an interesting point he made saying, you know, it's like they would lose one or two games and they start playing like they're out of it. It really felt like the air came out of that um, balloon when they lost to SMU last year. When they got manhandled up front by that SMU offensive line early in the season, um, it did feel like suddenly they were just 
totally out of it. I mean, the, the, um, the energy around the program completely changed. So you have to find a way to be mentally tougher. Um, even if you take a tough loss like that early in the season, the team's got to find a way to rally together. But we'll see what happens when they get on the field. Another interesting thing I, I found in that piece from The Athletic was Sonny Dyke said he thought it was going to take them years to catch up in the strength and conditioning department. But they've actually made up a lot of ground in the last few months. So apparently from a nutrition perspective, from a strength and conditioning perspective, uh, this new coaching staff felt like the team was way behind, program was way behind. But some of that has rebounded in the offseason under Kyle Kazadi. When we come back, um, I want to talk about a TCU baseball note. And TCU football got a commit over uh, Thursday night from a Central Texas safety. We'll discuss that all next on Locked on Horned Frog. All right, welcome back into Locked on Horned Frog segment two on a Friday. So uh, some movement on the TCU coaching staff. Bill Moziello, who has been at TCU since 2013, associate head coach, uh, longtime hitting coach for the Frogs. He is the new head baseball coach at Ohio State. So um, first of all, congrats to Bill. And moving on to the Midwest, getting a head coaching job. He's been an assistant for a long, long time, has a lot of experience in college baseball. Good opportunity for him. Um, and, I mean, this is a hit for TCU. Like, he has been instrumental in guiding this team and their offensive philosophy. Um, he was part of that, you know, four straight World Series appearances, has been part of multiple Big 12 championships over his tenure in time at TCU. I do, however, think this is a good opportunity for Kirk Sarloose to have an exhaustive search to go out and find somebody who can sort of tweak and revamp what they're doing uh, with that lineup. I, I love Bill. I think he did a fantastic job. Um, he obviously preached patience at the plate, trying to you know have great at bats, work the count, work walks, get on base, and then um, was really aggressive on the base pass, especially the first few years he was in Fort Worth. Seems like that sort of declined as his time in Fort Worth continued, but his teams always had great plate discipline. Or, you know, working counts, trying to um, knock pitchers out of games. I just wonder, you know, there was really no overhaul with his staff when Jim Sloshnagel left. He promoted Kirk. He kept Bill. He went and got a few guys that were <clears throat> obviously very familiar with the program. And so I just I think it's a good opportunity to go get a fresh voice, um, someone who might have some different ideas. And we'll see how it helps the team um, and maybe – change up the way they recruit a little bit because I just I think on top of the office philosophy the team just needs to be deeper one through nine and whether that's development of the current players or going and getting um, some more pop uh, in, in the recruiting world you know the the bottom of that lineup this past season just wasn't able to hold their weight and really once you got past that sort of middle um, section of Taylor Sacco and the cleanup role was kind of a revolving door, but Curtis Burns sort of took that by the end of the season and ran with it. David Bishop had a really good start to the year. Once you got past that two, three, four, I mean, it was really a toss-up if five through nine could even find a way to get on base. So um, need to find a way to, to sure that up. But Bill Mosiello moving on to Ohio State. And so wish him the best. Good opportunity for him to be head coach. And obviously – uh, he did a fantastic job at TCU for a long time. So uh, Kirk Sherlock now has an opportunity, though, to go find somebody else, and maybe this is a chance to sort of shake up the philosophy 
that TCU has been rolling with for a long, long time. Um, back to TCU football for a minute. On the recruiting trail, Frogs added another commit to the 2023 class on Thursday evening. Javion Wilcox from Lake Belton High School. He was originally a Baylor commit, decommitted, took an official visit to TCU, uh, and committed there. He's uh, six feet tall, 185 pounds. Most is listed as a safety. Has played safety most of his high school career. Also played some corner. Um, had offers from Arkansas, SMU, Texas Tech, Baylor, and others. Real athletic kid. Also plays basketball and runs track. So Lake Belton High School is a brand new high school. They've only been in existence for a few years. Belton, Texas, for a long time was a, a one high school town, but they've split now, and there's a lot of great athletes there. So. This might open up a door to build some relationships there with Brian Cope, um, who's the head football coach and athletic director there in Lake Belton. has been there for a couple seasons. Um, but Wilcox, I think it's a good addition. Long, athletic kid. Um, need help in that you know, backfield, in that defensive backfield. They add him. They are now up to uh, 15th overall in the 247 composite rankings, third in the Big 12. So the, the hot streak continues for Sonny Dykes and Kamei. They've been racking up a lot of commits as of late. So Wilcox, another young man that joins that 2023 class. I know they have some official visitors coming in this weekend as well. So we'll see if they can add to that total um, as the summer continues on and we barrel towards football season. And we'll see how many of these guys they can hold on to as we get closer to signing day. That'll do it for Lockdown Horn Frogs. Hope everybody has a good weekend. I'll be back again on Monday. Um, again, this is Lockdown Horn Frogs, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team and it's every day.